There is a really peculiar timeline that began to manifest in the beginning of the 20th century. Probably goes back further than that, but not too many people had made it as far south as Antarctica until you get to the late 1800s, really. Um, remember I told you that Nimrod was born in 1908. 1908 AM, or years since creation. Well, in 1908 AD, an individual named Ernest Shackleton boarded a ship called the Nimrod and headed down to Antarctica on the Nimrod expedition. You can't make this stuff up. I found this by accident. I was on Google Earth looking around, you know, Antarctica, and you know how it has the little icons, you can click on it and a picture will pop up, you know, somebody took a photograph in that area or whatever. And I think it was in the Ross Ice Shelf area, if I remember right. Um, and I saw a little icon, I clicked on it, and it said the Nimrod Hut. I'm like, what? The Nimrod Hut? So I started looking at that and found out the Nimrod Hut was created by these guys that went down there from the Nimrod expedition in 1908. And you can look it up. This is the Wikipedia entry on it, talking about them going down there. I'm like, wow, you got to be kidding me. So this is what intrigued me. Enoch. Enoch was not for God took him, right? That's, what we, that's about all we get in Genesis. You know, Enoch walked with God, and uh, he was not, for God took him. Joshua, though, gives us a little bit more detail. In chapter 3 of Joshua, it tells us that they were looking for him, and they went looking for him in a place filled with snow. With their very large walls and stones of snow. Wait a minute. Enoch disappeared and went home, went to heaven in a place of snow? Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so, huh. <coughs> One of the arguments people say about flat earth is, well, that's stupid, people would fall off the edge. Well, not really, just do a Google search. Go on Google and search for a coastline of Antarctica. And you're gonna see that the coastline of Antarctica consists of two and 300 foot ice walls. No one's falling off of anything, you know? And then you see depictions like that where a dude peeking under the firmament. You know, this is, these are ancient depictions right there. So you know, now I'm, getting, I'm really intrigued by all this. More Antarctic expeditions follow after Shackleton. After World War II, the nations, especially Germany, Russia, and the United States, become literally obsessed with Antarctica. Now, a big part of that was supposedly after World War II, a lot of the Nazis went down there and you know, supposedly set up shop in Antarctica. So we have this character, Admiral Byrd. Enter Admiral Byrd. He's the youngest admiral in the US military. He is assigned a whole fleet of battleships and all kinds of stuff to go down to Antarctica, presumably to go look for Nazis. However, if you look into Admiral Byrd, prior to that, he became famous for declaring that he had gone into inside the Earth, inner Earth, Agartha, through the North Pole. Okay, here's somebody with a lot of credibility, medals and decorations and rank, describing taking a plane up into the North Pole and going through a hole in the Earth and finding inner Earth. This is before going to Antarctica. So, yeah, sort of the official cover story history says that he went down there and the military wanted to see what's going on with the Nazis in Antarctica. But he had just said that he found inner Earth in the North Pole. So you've got to know the guy's got to be thinking, I wonder what's in the South Pole, right? So they call it Operation High Jump. Well, that just makes sense. Operation High Jump, well, if you go to Antarctica, two to 300 foot high walls, you gotta jump over it. So they call it Operation High Jump. So I started looking into all that. 
this is where it got really interesting for me, and I'll just play the video of uh, a video I made when I was just sort of thinking out loud. I, I said, you know what? I'm not gonna just thinking. I'm just gonna turn my microphone on and start talking to it, and I'll post it on YouTube. You know, so, sort of a brain dump on YouTube. So this is sort of me just freaking out, putting pieces together after I started going down the bunny trail of Admiral Byrd, Operation High Jump, and what followed. Now. With the tinfoil hat on, playing conspiracy theory here, the Flat Earthers are claiming, and, and I think it's a reasonable claim, that you know if that model is true, then we know we have a circle, the circle of the Earth as described in the Bible, surrounded by Antarctica, the outer rim, that has a two or 300 foot uh, ice wall, cliff, that keeps everything in, hence Operation High Jump, you gotta get over that, right? Uh, so it looks like, at least from the Flat Earther perspective, that probably during Operation Deep Freeze, they may have found the edge of the dome, presumably anywhere from 800 to 1,200 miles inland from the coast. Uh, then everybody pulls out, signs this treaty, says nobody can go back except under the express guidelines of the international community that signed the treaty. So then all of a sudden the United States and Russia engaged in these high-altitude nuclear tests, and the United States calls theirs Operation Dominic, within which we have Operation Fishball. Now, hold that thought. This is all happening, if you go and look uh, on the Operation Dominic uh, entry, you see the different dates, we're, we're, uh, 1962, this is the early part of 1962, we're talking May. I mean, look at all these bombs going off, 25 April, 1962, 27 April, 2 May, 4 May, 6 May, 8 May, 9 May, 11 May, 11 May, 12 May, 14 May, 19, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is all before President Kennedy's let's go out in the space speech. But I think a lot of people don't realize that our first stop wasn't the moon. Even before we went to the moon, they were sending probes all of a sudden after all of this. Okay, keep the, keep the timeline in mind. Operation High Jump, Operation Deep Freeze, Bird Dives, NASA's founded, Antarctic Treaty signed, Operation Dominic and Fishbowl take effect. And if you notice during President Kennedy's speech, he was talking about that they've already got probes headed to Venus. <coughs> Wait a minute. We're already sending stuff to Venus and Mars? We haven't even been to the moon yet. And so I was looking into that. And on planetary.org forward slash explore forward slash space topics forward slash space missions forward slash missions, missions to Venus dash Mercury dot HTML. And uh, you can go through this site. Uh, it starts sort of from the bottom up. As early as February 4th, 1961, they're sending a probe, Sputnik 7, <coughs> to, uh, Russia sent this probe to check out Venus. The final stage of the rocket carrying Sputnik 7 into orbit failed, and the spacecraft was unable to achieve the necessary trajectory to carry it onto Venus. Then Venera 1, Russia, sends out another probe uh, February 12, 1961. They lost uh, communications uh, while it was on its way to Venus. Then NASA sends up Mariner 1, July 22, 1962. Now, that's right in the middle of Dominic and Fishbowl that they, we sent out a probe to go check out Venus. Um, it veered off course and was destroyed by ground controllers. 
So then Russia sends up another one, Sputnik 19, August 25th, 1962. The spacecraft made it into orbit, but the rocket's last stage failed as Sputnik 19 was unable to achieve its Venus trajectory uh, and re-entered the Earth's atmosphere three days later. NASA, August 27th, 1962, uh, sends its probe. It says Mariner 2 was the first spacecraft to successfully fly by Venus at an altitude of 34,000 773 kilometers. The spacecraft discovered ground temperatures, uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so this is during the time period that between August 27th, 1962 and December 14th, 1962, that we had President Kennedy's speech in September, on September 12th, 1962. So that's what he's referring to. You know, we've already got stuff out there, <laughs> and you can read about the other ones that were, you know, checking out Venus, I guess Mercury also and uh, attempted probes going to Mars. Now, this is all before we've even been to the moon. So it, it appears that whatever happened in Antarctica, everybody got kind of maybe nervous or excited or whatever and said, okay, what is the deal? You know, we've looked through telescopes. We've seen our so-called neighbors, uh, Venus and Mars, through telescopes. Our assumption is the solar system is, you know, set up in the Copernican model, and um, but yet maybe maybe they found a dome and they started to question all that so the first thing they do is send out probes to go wait a minute what in the world if this is if we're in a dome how high does this thing go so they start launching high altitude nuclear bombs and if you look at the videos on operation fishbowl and starfish prime and all the, all those high altitude tests i mean it looks like they're hitting something up there um i mean at least from a conspiratorial tinfoil hat wearing perspective that's what it looks like. Now, this is what blew my mind. You can read more on, on all that if you'd like um, to get caught up to speed on what's going on there. So I go to Lubbock, and I'm doing this conference out there at uh, uh, Jared Cressman's uh, father's church, Dan, Pastor Dan Cressman, and uh, we get to talking about this whole issue of the flat earth stuff. And he goes, do you know what the name Dominic means? And I said, no. He says, you know, you talk about Operation Fishbowl, but check this out. I'm going to take you to, um, I'll put the screen share back up here. Take you to a uh, one of those name websites. I like using behindthename.com. Look up the name Dominic, D-O-M-I-N-I-C, from the late Latin name Dominicus, meaning of the Lord. Fishbowl was part of Operation Dominic. It looks like they are sending high-altitude nuclear bombs to test the fishbowl of the Lord, i.e., the firmament. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely one of those things to make you go, hmm... Think about it. Okay, Sputnik was a big deal. They threw a ball up there and it was supposedly made orbit. That was a huge achievement, right? What was that, 1957, I think? And now all of a sudden we're going to Venus and Mars and Mercury? We just put a soccer ball in, <laughs> up there. That was a huge achievement. And all of a sudden we're going to Venus? We're going to Mercury and Mars? And we haven't even been, yet to, the, we haven't been to the moon yet? That had completely escaped me in all of my years of 
you know, studying NASA and wanting to be part of the space program and stuff like that. I mean, wrap your minds around that. They were using technology far less sophisticated than what we walk around with every day in our pocket, right? Far less, I mean, barely above a pocket calculator those guys had. And they're sending stuff to Venus and Mercury and Mars in, in the early 60s after barely first getting Sputnik up there. We haven't even been to the moon yet. And in the same time they're doing that, this is right after fish, right after high jump and deep freeze, everybody leaves. NASA's formed, and I forgot to mention there in that video, DARPA was formed the same year NASA was formed. You know what DARPA is? Yeah, it's the Military Defense Agency Research Projects uh, Department there. They do all the weird black budget stuff, you know, <clears throat> same year. All that is happening at the same time. And then while that's going on, they're sending probes. It really looks like they found the edge of the dome. They said, what? <laughs> we think we're in the Copernican model. Let's go check it out. And all of a sudden, we have the ability to go to Venus, Mercury, and Mars somehow. We haven't even been to the moon yet. And while that's happening, they're launching high-altitude nuclear bombs like crazy. You know, 8 May, 11 May, 12 May. <laughs> And we call it fishbowl of the Lord. Okay, you know, you wonder why I have a tinfoil hat on sometimes. They're not helping with the names. 